1: Welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We're in our 22nd year on Voice America, and I'm so proud of it. This is the program that shows you how to turn your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and really make your dreams come true. And today we're talking about burnout and getting to the other side of it. And my guest today is David Shank. And he is the author of the book with Scott Neely entitled Into the Field of Suffering, Finding the Other Side of Burnout. This is a compassionate and practical guide to help all caregivers transcend burnout and embrace the power of healing for themselves as well as their patients. And their loved ones. This is for adult children. This is for hospice nurses. This is for anyone working with frontline workers. And again, the book is written by David Schenck with uh, the help of spiritual leader Scott Neely. David Schenck is a leader on ethics and healthcare, and he is a longtime hospice volunteer. Okay. He's the former director of the Ethics Program, Medical University of South Carolina, and was on the faculty of the Center for Biomedical Ethics and Society, Vanderbilt University Medical Center. He's the co-author of two previous books on ethics and healing in healthcare. One was The Healers Extraordinary Collisions at Work and What Patients and What Patients Teach Us Everyday Ethics of Healthcare. He also taught philosophy and religion for 20 years and is published widely in bioethics, philosophy, and religious studies. David Schenck was the founding executive director of a free medical clinic, a healthcare advocate for the homeless, and a 25-year hospice volunteer. Scott Neely, who he wrote the book with, is a minister of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Spartanburg, South Carolina. And As our nation's older population continues to grow, more young people will soon take on the challenge of becoming caregivers to their loved ones. With this new book, Into the Field of Suffering as a Trusted Resource, the challenge will be less daunting and more rewarding. And my guest today, again, is David Shank. David, welcome on the program.
2: Glad to be here, Patricia. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thank you so much let's talk about the root of burnout where does it come from i think all of us feel it at one time in our life or another
2: well as we were saying earlier we have a burnout culture we have a culture that is moving faster and faster and faster pulling on more and more of our resources pulling us in many different directions Uh, the nature of our workplace has changed the multiplicity of responsibilities with family has changed. I think, though, when you ask the question of the root of burnout, it is a place where we exceed our capacities, mm. usually out of a good motive. We want to take better care of people. We want to teach better. We want, uh, as first responders, to make sure that lives are uh, saved And so we're often in situations where we're exhausted, we know we're tired, and yet right in front of us is an emergency that seems worse than our exhaustion. And Mm -hmm. so we keep pushing and keep pushing.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's... Do you think that all of us feel it at some time in our life or not necessarily?
2: I think not necessarily. I think that... There are certain lives that have a different kind of pace and certain social roles uh, that don't, but what can happen, and you just mentioned it earlier, with the change in the nature of our population, uh, all of a sudden you can find yourself caring for uh, a partner, a spouse, a child, a parent,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh,
2: in the context of a life that up until that point might not have been characterized by uh, burnout.
1: Do you feel we need to use those words, burnout or moral distress, uh, because so many healthcare professionals and family caregivers are just exhausted? What do you think?
2: I find that these words are often used judgmentally. They're often Mm -hmm. used to suggest that someone has failed. Uh, You know, David is burned out. He didn't handle things properly. Uh, He wasn't emotionally tough enough. He uh, really belongs in another field. Or sometimes moral distress is uh, she was too sensitive. She was too involved with her patients. Uh, The reason she's raising these issues on our unit about patient care is not really about patient care. It's because she can't do the job. On the other hand, these terms do point to an important experience. Our healthcare providers and our in-home caregivers encounter a wide range of challenges and experiences that do deplete them and test their capacities. So I think we want words that point to that, but I would have a caution about these words. One more thing about it though is you really can't get rid of the term burnout. You know, it is so pervasive. But what I would encourage us to do is use it only at the point where someone really has to leave their career. <clears throat> what I prefer to talk about is depletion—that mm-hmm. we get our resource gets thinner and thinner, we get tireder and tireder, we get to the point where. Uh, we are disoriented in our work, and that's a time when we need to step back and examine our work habits. See if we can work more efficiently and with more joy.
1: Yeah, yeah, so true. Do you think COVID, the pandemic, helped reframe some common ideas about the toll of caregiving? Did it? Did it make it worse? Did it exacerbate it?
2: I think one of the great benefits of COVID, oddly enough, is that it made uh, much more obvious to the public. There was really enormous media coverage. You remember, especially in the beginning, stories about uh, exhaustion, pictures of nurses with their head down on their desk sleeping, um, people leaving the field. There were a couple of suicides. And so I think one thing that it did, COVID, was raise the visibility of kinds of stresses that healthcare workers are facing and generate some compassion that was there Um, there was also an awareness of the complexity of the system Uh, all of a sudden we were hearing about supply lines and we couldn't get enough gowns and we couldn't get enough masks and Mm -hmm. we have enough ventilators and Would Governor Cuomo or President Trump get more ventilators? I mean, it was a a rapid education for people in the complexity of the field. As for the ongoing impact of COVID, I think, first, we now have staffing difficulties across health. Yes, we
1: do. Uh,
2: People left the field. They um, just found it uh, not rewarding anymore. And the other thing is that our healthcare institutions during some of the times in COVID when there were shortages, developed work practices that were at a different level. So, for example, the intensive care unit nurse, um, typically in a good unit, has two patients, you know, she, he has a desk where you can see into both rooms. But during COVID, things were a little bit tight, and so they say, okay, Patricia, you have these two rooms, but could you cover down here where John used to cover? And that's kind of an exception, an emergency. And then about six months later, it looks like you're always going to cover three patients. And so again, this harms the quality of care of the patient, but it also damages the quality of the work for the provider.
1: Because they're spread too thin.
2: They're spread too thin, and they know they aren't doing the job that they want to do. I mean, mm-hmm. people come into the field with, for the most part, a heartfelt desire yes. to to heal and to succeed and to bring people through. And when they're put in a work situation where they are virtually guaranteed to fail, or guaranteed at least to provide mediocre care, when they want to be providing excellent care uh this is where we begin to talk about moral distress and what Mm -hmm. i call in the book moral anguish it's the point at which the distress over the work conditions comes into your heart comes into your body you can't you can't leave it behind
1: right and isn't that also david called compassion fatigue
2: it is You know, we have been through a period now, four or five years, where various terms have been used. Sometimes compassion fatigue is used more broadly than just healthcare. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another common term that appeared with prominence during the early COVID period, especially uh, is moral injury, uh, which I think is best used to talk about people in war settings where there's violence and a particular kind of trauma but it was uh, it was used during the early COVID so there are a number of different terms and people have been trying to point to this Mm -hmm. experience uh, from different angles challenge about compassion fatigue we can provide high quality care we can be present we cannot abandon But sometimes compassionate care is actually very difficult. I think if we expect, be present, pay attention, don't abandon, and be open to moments when compassion moves through you towards another person. Mm -hmm. If we sit there expecting compassion all the time, it's kind of like expecting in baseball to bat you know, 500 every season. uh, Well,
1: and it it also takes so much out of you because you can't do it all the time, right? Exactly. So what we're going to do is take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the flip side of this. How does caregiving offer an opportunity for learning and transformation? How can we learn and grow from this, right? My guest today is David Shank, and he's the author of the book Into the Field of Suffering finding the other side of burnout. And this book was written with Scott Neely. And David Shank is the former director of the ethics program, Medical University of South Carolina, and was on the faculty of the Center for Biomedical Ethics and Society at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. And he's co-author of other books, and he has taught philosophy and religion for over 20 years. And this book really helps people to see What's the other side of burnout? So when we come back, we'll talk about what are some opportunities for learning a transformation, whether you're on the front lines, you're a caregiver, or you know someone who is. This is very important information, an important inf- important interview, and an important book into the field of suffering. Stay tuned folks, I'm Patricia Raskin, we'll be right back.
4: The See Differently Project will deliver us out of the echo chamber that we live in and educate and empower our listeners about the business of care. The care industry, from cradle to grave, encompasses a multitude of service providers. Some of these providers must have licenses, and some do not. It depends on the state you reside in. Nonetheless, this multi-trillion dollar industry continues to grow. Money exploited from consumers through this industry in 2022 exceeded $63 Billion. Our mission at the See Differently Project is to educate and empower our listeners by bringing guests on who are professional experts in their care field, opening the dialogue, informing our listeners, and answering your questions. You will walk away with a new perspective and empowerment over your care needs. The See Differently Project is hosted by Renee Balcom, the nation's leading healthcare care advocate, on Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel
5: did you know that the quality of our daily lives is directly influenced by the design of our built environment our homes our work the way we move and where we play are all shaped by the design of our cities this thought-provoking new show from architect urban designer and educator carrie pennebod examines the complex forces that shape the making of our physical world Lively conversations with leading experts in a variety of fields engage some of the greatest challenges facing our cities today, including climate change, affordable housing, embedded technologies, infrastructure design, architecture and the arts, urban policy, social mobility, and much, much more. Tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, so that together we can design a better world.
2: Streaming live The leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com
0: you are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. And we're
1: talking today about how to help all caregivers transcend burnout and embrace the power of healing for themselves as well as their patients or for their loved ones. My guest is David Schenk, and he's the author of the new book, Into the Field of Suffering, finding the other side of burnout and he's written this book with the help of spiritual leader scott neely drawing on hundreds of conversations with healthcare workers and caregivers patients and families david chank and scott neely offer a radically different perspective on caregiving not as a trial to be endured but as an opportunity for learning and transformation to be embraced welcome back david and that's that's my next question how does caregiving offer that opportunity for learning and transformation
2: one of the things that we do in the book is offer a picture of the growth or the arc of a caregiver's um life really or their work and so we start out talking about call about feeling movement in your heart, that you want to be taking care of a person. This might be a family member, it might be in the home, might be a friend, or that you feel called to be in a healthcare profession or other kinds of helping professions, teaching, uh, first responders, um, policemen. And then there's a period of initiation, you begin to learn kind of the basics. And sometimes this can be difficult, you know, uh, the medical student who uh, first walks in the room and has his or her own uh, cadaver to to dissect. And we go through the training process. And then there's a period that I call uh, mastery, where we feel like uh, we've learned some skills, we're able to be effective, and we know what we're doing. And I like to picture it this way to push away these terms moral distress and burnout and give us a picture so that we understand that the difficult experiences that we face are not failures they're not failures they are part of our growth as a caregiver mm-hmm. uh, as a healthcare provider so we feel some mastery things are going well and then we find ourselves put in new situations uh, new patient challenges new diseases new um, technologies or we get transferred to a different department mm-hmm. and we begin to find that our capacity is not sufficient to do the job we find that our resources are uh, being depleted we begin to feel uh, exhausted emotionally frustrated with our colleagues mm-hmm. and this is the period that i like to to speak of scott and i like to speak of as a period of depletion we are witnessing or feeling the slow seeping away of that energy and enthusiasm that brought us into the field in the first Mm -hmm. place so this is what
1: can we do about it that's that's you know what i mean do we do deep breathing do we do meditation do we just get away from the situation i mean what do we do
2: I think the first thing that we do is look at the particulars uh, i I like to say the healing is always in the particulars. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're doing every day? What kind of patients do you see? Who are the people that you work with? Try to get specific about the things that are challenging because if you aren't specific, then you'll end up flailing around and trying this, that, and the other, and actually continuing to exhaust yourself so Part of it is looking at the particulars and where you are. Part of it is uh, paying attention to your body. Some mm. of your first clues that things are going badly come from your body. You sleep, mm. but you wake up and you're exhausted. Uh, you know that when your left shoulder hurts, you're under a certain kind of stress, but you keep going. And so part of the way to recover is to attend to your body. Now we know that wellness exercise, wellness activities are good. We all need to eat better, we all need to exercise more. But one thing that I encourage people to do is to bring some of these mindfulness practices into the workplace. So it's very good to at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, let's say have a 20-minute meditation period. But it's also good to in the middle of a stressful situation to be able to settle yourself get your feet flat on the floor straighten your spine Mm -hmm. out breath and then do a couple of gentle uh, belly breathing in breaths this doesn't take long Uh, you know 30 seconds or less Mm -hmm. it can be done in the midst of almost anything except the most intense life-saving codes in a hospital I like to say to my students, if you see me shift around in my chair, get my feet flat on the floor and straighten my spine, this means that something is either happening right now or about Mm -hmm. to happen. The other thing up is that it gives us some sense of control. We are not at the mercy of the things that are coming at us, but we have... Um, the power to control our body so that we can receive in a way that is not wounding
1: yeah let me just say i want to talk about the breath that you mentioned because that seems to be so important it almost is like a restarting of your computer right like when you're anxious or you're angry or you're upset and you don't know what to do with that emotion just being able to breathe and stop makes a difference what do you think
2: My teacher, Brujoy, used to speak of it as pause, center, shift. Uh, Cinder Rushton has done some nice work on this, and she calls it the art of the pause. Mm. The way I, I was taught was the first piece is what I just described, and that brings you into a place of stillness, and hopefully it stops the noise and stops the narrative around you.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then what Bruce taught me, which I think is an essential step, is in that moment, shift. Shift from the part of you that is afraid or is anxious. Uh, if you're taking care of a parent, shift out of the child who is scared or worried about the parent that is kind of an overwhelming experience. And remember, you know, I'm 50 years old. I'm 60 years old. I was trained by the hospice nurses. I know what to do here, mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> it's a moment of breathing and making space, sitting briefly in that space, but then consciously choosing to come out of it with a different stance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and makes- all
1: of this all of this takes awareness too. Correct? I mean really awareness it's not because if not david then all of this overtakes us right and we don't even sometimes we're in the middle of a of a tailspin and we don't even know what's happening
2: that's right and so where does this awareness come from and you know it's training we need to train ourselves ahead of time before the worst stuff comes right part of that can be Uh, you know, a home practice of uh, mindfulness and so on. But I think another important thing is to do it during the day when less stressful things are going on. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing rounds and doctor so-and-so is talking and take that time to do pause, center, shift, test it out, see what it feels like, Um, see what it feels like to do it standing at the bedside or, Mm -hmm sitting in a meeting and as you do that you will begin to learn more about your body you'll begin to learn that i've always known there was stiffness in my shoulder but my knees uh, give me trouble as well Mm -hmm. the more attention we pay to our body at different points the more uh the body will speak to us in the Mm -hmm. times that are distressing
1: All all right We're going to take a break in a minute, and when we come back, we're going to talk about those early signs of depletion. I mean, we we're talking about body awareness, but you know what? how do we then draw on our resources? Now, how do we know that um, this is a warning sign? I mean, sometimes we might feel depleted, and it's not a warning sign. So we're going to talk about that after the break. David, how can people find the book, which is Into the Field of Suffering, Ending the Other Side of Burnout? or finding, sorry. not. I was gonna say, we can't always end it, but finding the <laughs> uh, finding nice, the other it, side, uh, yeah. Very nice. uh,
2: it's available through uh, independent bookstores, it's available through Amazon, it's also available through the Oxford University Press uh, website.
1: And as I said, when we come back, we'll talk about the early signs of depletion and how you can pick it up because sometimes you don't pick it up right away. And again, this book is really a compassionate and practical guide to help all caregivers transcend burnout and embrace the power of healing for themselves as well as their patients or loved ones. It could be a hospice nurse, an adult child slowly losing a parent due to Alzheimer's. It could be a disaster relief worker, families in neonatal units watching over a baby born with a debilitating genetic defect. You know, whether it's personal or professional. Spending your days caring for ravaged for people ravaged by illness or trauma can be extremely draining physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And as David talked about, this is often described as burnout or moral distress. So when we come back, we'll talk about those signs, all right? And again, my guest is David Shank. And just a little more about him. He's former director of the ethics program, Medical University of South Carolina, and was on the faculty of the Center for Biomedical Ethics and Society Vanderbilt University Medical Center. He was founding executive director of a free medical clinic, a health care advocate for the homeless, and a 25-year hospice volunteer. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back.
3: america is on linkedin connect with us today
6: tune in every friday to get your weekend kickoff early join the legendary g keith alexander for what's hot harlem america the flagship show of the new harlem america digital network has something for everyone From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
5: Millions of people do not have children. Around the world, becoming a parent may be an unrealized dream and increasingly a deliberate choice. Yet our experiences remain largely unacknowledged across cultures, families, and friendships. Unconscious bias in public and workplace policy, media narratives, and educational content often renders us invisible. New Legacy Radio reveals these missing stories through the perspectives of our community and allies. As we work to achieve meaningful change that recognizes our true and diverse experiences. New Legacy Radio. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back.
1: This is The Patricia Raskin Possible Living Show. Today, we're talking about Suffering and Finding the Other Side of Burnout. My guest is David Shank, and he co authored the book with Scott Neely entitled Into the Field of Suffering, Finding the Other Side of Burnout. And that's what we're looking at today. We're looking at how to cultivate empathy, uh, healing and restorative exercises, um, looking at our hot buttons. But we're also going to talk about today, what are the joys of caregiving? so we will get to that but first david i'm going to ask you how do you recognize those early signs of depletion and how do you ask for help but how do you recognize the early signs
2: well we've mentioned already certain Mm -hmm. physical signs but sometimes it's hard to Mm -hmm. tell whether that's um, just life and its difficulties or whether it really is burnout But it's still important, I think, to first pay attention to the body. Uh, Changes in sleeping habits, changes in eating habits that are uh, unusual for you. Part of what you're looking for is new uh, breaks in your patterns. What's new? Are there new aches? Are there new pains? So that's, uh, that's an important piece of it. Your body is your... Caregiving is a bodily activity. You are touching, you are moving, you are uh, often lifting or doing awkward things. And so that's the first place to pay attention. I think another important thing to do is to remember to look at your colleagues. In fact, it's useful if you're in a stressful situation to deliberately cultivate a friendship or a colleague. I'm going to be taking care of my mother through this time. I know it's going to be difficult. When you see me stressed out, being rude to people, mm-hmm. falling asleep, talk to me.
1: Talk mm-hmm. to me. Give so, me a- right. So what you're saying is once you're aware, you can tell people. You can say, look, I'm going through something right now. And that that also helps them to, to understand and to help support you.
2: Yes, Yes. Another thing to do is as you begin to think, okay, is this burnout or not? Look at, your, look at the faces of the people you work with. Look at the faces and the eyes of your patients. Because oftentimes there you will begin to see disappointment. Why isn't David, Dr. Shank, like he usually is here? or there's concern you know mm-hmm. um, people are looking at patricia thinking uh gosh i hope i hope that she's okay or sometimes what you'll see is anger why why isn't this uh, happening the way that it ought to and again it's important to have mm-hmm. if you work in an intensive care unit let's say a neonatal unit when you work with uh, the small babies Everybody in that unit needs to be aware of the stress that everybody else is going through and paying attention to it, uh, saying, you know, I'll take your room for the next hour. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do this? Uh-huh. It was customary in the units where I worked that if a nurse's uh, child died, that person would often go home for the day or take mm-hmm. two or three or four hours. These kinds of practices are important to build in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I I think the other question is, how do you get help? Now, I know one of the things you said is you share what you're going through, but sometimes it's hard for the caregiver to say to someone else, gee, can you help me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, they might tell you they're going through something, but to say, I need your help, and and sometimes, should they be asking, David, for specific help rather than just, I can use your help?
2: I think for caregiving at home, it's especially important to set expectations ahead of time, again, before you get to the crunch. And when you set those expectations, this is a time um, to be specific, as you suggested, Patricia. In other words... Some people are very comfortable sitting at the bedside for long periods of time. Some people are comfortable changing uh, beds and changing diapers. Some people are comfortable cooking food and bringing it in. When you have that kind of division of responsibility, You help avoid burnout for everybody and depletion for everybody in the team. If I Mm -hmm. like to cook and I enjoy cooking and bringing meals, then there's going to be an element of joy in that. As a hospice volunteer, part of what I really liked was sitting with people uh, through the night, through the long, quiet hours of the night. This drives some people completely crazy, uh, but I really love that part of the work. Other people really like to be busy during the day taking care of the medicines and things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so setting expectations is important and if you're lucky enough to have extra help then backup is good you know yeah. my um, my mother died uh, in january of this year and i mm, uh, sorry um, took her to the hospital and the first thing i did was call my stepsister and say mimi help I mean, over my head, and then I call my sisters who live four or five states away. But we knew that this was coming, and we were prepared to uh, come together. Mm. Yeah, you know, when you're working in an institutional setting, you have often a different uh, you have a different set of factors. Right there, you are dealing with pressures to Do things that you are not sure you want to be doing, to work at a pace that you think is inappropriate. You may have supervisors that are uh, not the best, and all this is contributing to your burnout. And one of the things that we talk about a fair amount in the book is developing what we call the skills of advocacy. That is, how do you gather together some people in your unit, uh, on your floor, so that you can have a common voice of a number of people mm-hmm. saying, we are being depleted. We're having this kind of moral distress. We we need to talk with you about this. Mm-hmm. If I go in by myself and talk about these things, then immediately I'm labeled a complainer. Yes. Yes. Uh, he's under moral distress. Oh, remember he used to have a drinking problem. Is right. he drinking again? Right. Which may have nothing to do with nothing.
1: Right. So, the team team is very important having a team and also something you said being specific not how can I help you gee I see you have a workload how can I help you but really specifically asking and something else you said too is helping people with what you're good at so for example If it's easy for me to pick up your groceries if it's easy for me to do your clerical work do it but don't offer something that's going to be a drain for me and i may not do it as well right Right. so you want to be specific but you also want to know what they need too,
2: right and you know they may not do it at all if it's that difficult you know right i say i'm going to do it and then i think of 15 excuses and then and then it's gone but the specifics point uh thank you for picking that up again in the institutional context, in particular, if if you go in and say things aren't so great on my unit, we need to make them better, you're just going to get brushed aside. Right. But if you say we don't have enough ventilators and this bed and this bed are suffering and remember this case and this case, or we need another aid here, and you also need to be able to speak institutional language, which basically is numbers um unfortunately and so cost mortality rates insurance rates billing so if you can name specifics and ways to improve that you realize are gonna relieve your depletion and moral distress Mm -hmm. but the language of the institution, some specific things that we can do.
1: Right. So what you're saying is we don't talk about the person. We talk about, we're looking at the overall vision. We're not coming in as the complainer. We're saying, look, we need this so we can do the job effectively. Everything really needs to point back to the specific mission of the group, of the hospital. Right. I'm not just complaining because it's too much for me. We need this so we can do the job effectively so we can make this work.
2: And more and more hospitals are using what are, in effect, customer satisfaction yes. uh, surveys. We don't call yeah. it that. We call it care improvement. But it really is customer satisfaction. And so, again, if you can say, our numbers are at this level, but if you do these things, we think we can get our numbers up to this, mm-hmm. this becomes a very compelling argument.
1: Yes. Because you're you're working on behalf of the vision, right, and of the purpose of the organization. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back in our last segment, we're going to talk to David about what are the joys of caregiving, the positive side of caregiving, the the richness that's in this. So we're going to talk about that in our in our final segment with David today. And today, as I said to you before, we are talking about. How to help caregivers transcend burnout and embrace the power of healing for themselves as well as their patients and their loved ones my guest is david shank and he with scott neely wrote the book into the field of suffering finding the other side of burnout okay among being directors of many programs. David has been a healthcare advocate for the homeless. He's been a 25-year hospice volunteer. He's a former director of the ethics program, Medical University of South Carolina, was on the faculty of the Center for Biomedical Ethics Society at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. So we'll be back with David right after the break to talk about what are the joys of caregiving. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back.
3: A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
6: Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week.
6: Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. And I'm Patricia Raskin with The
1: Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. And we are talking today about helping caregivers transcend burnout and embrace the power of healing for themselves as well as their patients and their loved ones. My guest is David Schenck, and he's, he wrote the book with Scott Neely, Into the Field of Suffering, Finding the Other Side of Burnout. So welcome back, David. In our final segment, I'd like to ask you, what are the joys of caregiving? Why is it worth it? And I know you've been a caregiver yourself, so please talk about this.
2: Caregiving gives us an unusual opportunity to experience ranges of human interaction and human emotion that are unusual in our in our daily lives. We are present to great vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And at the very same time, we are offering generosity out of ourselves in a way that we typically do not do in our daily lives there are opportunities for forgiveness for recognition of old and difficult uh, wounds that have been there and a chance to forgive them and and release them caregiving tends to slow our lives down And sometimes this is frustrating, you know, I wish I could be doing this, I wish I could be doing that. But the virtue of slowing down is you may see your mother, your partner, your friend's face in a different way. When you walk out of the room where you've been doing the caregiving and walk outside, the breath that you take in, the sun that you see, the tree that is in front of you is often more alive because you have been in this setting where life is challenged you know it's valuable you have been offering service out of yourself and you are open to the world uh, in a different way Mm. the you know i have come into this exploration of caregiving suffering burnout through my own experience, I mean, I really burned out in a fairly dramatic way. I ended up taking a year off and working in a food bank and learning to drive a forklift and terrify everybody in the warehouse (laughs) because I knew that I needed a period of having my body uh, settle down and come back Mm. to a place where I could offer uh, more things. And in the process of coming back, that's when you also recognize, <clears throat> here are the things that I found meaningful. Here's why I wanted to do this in the first place. There are intensities of grief, but there are intensities of joy. You see people with great courage working their way through challenging situations and graduating, if you will. You have the opportunity to work with incredibly courageous and skilled individuals one of the most important things i think is that we often have the experience that something moves through us that is beyond our regular capacity Mm -hmm. and i don't mean to be uh, necessarily mysterious about this although i do think it is miraculous but i have watched people and i've done this myself behave with great sensitivity and great compassion in the room with the patient and then you walk out and you're in the hall or you get in the car and you're driving home and you're your same old self, you know, meh, 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 But the mm-hmm. patient in that situation allows you to feel a capacity for healing that is meaningful to the person in front of you but that mm-hmm. heals the wounds in
1: yourself. Yeah, yeah. So... Those are the joys, right? Those are the joys of, of, of really feeling. And, and, and I think one of the things and I want to ask you is how, and this is a hard one, how do you keep that empathy and that love and that caring and fill your heart with that, but be able to move through the pain while you're doing that?
2: Part of it is really being, you're making an effort to be present to the patient. You need to offer that same presence to yourself, that same compassion to yourself. People are grateful for what you're doing. Be grateful to yourself for offering it. And that can be done alongside the grief. The other thing about the grief is if you are Present in sharing the other person's grief, something uh, alchemical happens. The grief is not the same if you're sharing it. Mm-hmm. In a place where the grief and the suffering meet, empathy and compassion. There is uh, sometimes I call it the supernova of human experience. I think there we're running as close to the core of the meaning of life that we get in that point where grief and suffering meet compassion, attentiveness. This is why I like to say the field of suffering is the field of healing. Mm
1: -hmm. Come
2: into the field of suffering, you offer a presence that changes that field and brings you and the person you're caring for into a new place.
1: Closing thoughts, David, what would you like to leave our listeners with about into the field of suffering, finding the other side of burnout?
2: I think the very first thing is burnout and moral distress suggest failure. You are not failing. If you step forward and display willingness, you are not failing. Being present and not abandoning are great gifts to the patient being present to yourself and listening to your body is important it's a gift to you and to the patient your body and the patient's body are communicating all the time that's part of the field of suffering and the field of healing and be grateful wherever there's gratitude there's healing And there are opportunities for gratitude all the time and in every place. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you so much for such a deep and compassionate and and rich interview. And uh, I really would encourage people to get this book, Into the Field of Suffering, by David Shank with Scott Neely. And the subtitle was Finding the Other Side of Burnout. And they can get it, as you said, on Amazon, correct?
2: thank you patricia
1: yeah thank you it was really wonderful to have you on Stay, stay on the line for a minute all right folks this wraps up this edition of the patricia raskin positive living show um, you can find me, Patricia at Patricia Raskin. If you're interested in doing your own podcast and want to get your message out there that's positive and, and 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 would like to really share with the public, uh, I can help you. I've interviewed over 5,000 guest experts in my career, and this is my passion to get these messages out. All right. Uh, if you'd like to get a copy of my newsletter, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. All right. Again, until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding
6: week.